The race for the first congressional district in South Carolina continues to heat up. Joe Biden asks where a dead person is. Kamala Harris says we're aligned with North Korea. And Joe Cunningham releases a new ad. All of that today on the Hurricane Ian edition of the fastest growing podcast in South Carolina. And welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast. In the I was about South to Carolina. say, I, I, I don't want to be called for have, slander. Have we already jumped that much? I mean, we've had a phenomenal September because of folks like you who are turning around and, and, and listening to and watching the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We ask you continue to do so. So that I guess your Maybe. faux pas can actually work out work, well. It might be, it'll probably be just as statistically researched as some op-ed pieces in the state. But Well, is that where we we're going start, first? Yes, because we're starting in the first yes. congressional district. We haven't talked about this a lot. In terms of congressional races in South Carolina heading into uh, the election in just a couple of weeks, obviously in seven, Russell Fry uh, won the Republican nomination. He'll be the next congressman right. from the seventh. The Jeff sixth, Duncan in the th- Jeff Duncan in the third. Jeff Duncan in the third. Ralph Norman mm-hmm. in the fifth. Jim Clyburn in the sixth will be there until Joe Wilson yeah. does have an opponent, and does Joe Larkins in the second. Yes, he does. The signs are out. Oh, okay, but, but Joe Wilson obviously should be your representative in the second. There are other uh, things going on in other congressional districts, and we go to the first, where Nancy Mace is running for re-election, being challenged by Democratic challenger Annie Andrews, Doctor Annie Andrews, She's who a works at the. At the Medical University of South Carolina's pediatric offices. Does indeed. Now, in Charleston. If you remember, folks, just a couple of weeks ago, we on this podcast talked about some of the research coming out of MUSC talking about patients ranging from 4 to 18 in age in the MUSC transgender endocrinology pediatric clinic. It's a mouthful. This came up back during the debate on the state budget because there was a proviso that was added in the Senate that took out funding for the transgender clinic at the Medical University of South Carolina. It was a statement to basically say, we're not going to sit here and do transgender therapy on children under the age of 18, which that would be the definition of a child in state law. Yes. Not reaching the age of majority. Right. So that ended up, it, that didn't actually get passed. It was cut out in the in the final conference committee yep. version of the budget. But it was a major part of the Senate's discussion on this issue. And it because it's starting to raise the question about uh, the funding of transgenders. Do you, are we going to do anything as a state to turn around and protect children from a, a move, I guess, Justin, we would say, to permanently change their bodies before their maturity right. before maturity ever takes place. And that's just, think about that for a moment, before a child's brain can even fully develop because the prefrontal cortex, your thinking, reasoning side doesn't even really finish until your mid-20s. How in the world can you come in around and say that a child average age at MUSC's pediatrics was 13? A first visit. First visit. Was 13.6 years. So... We're talking kids who are going through pubescence. Yeah, going into high school. They're going into high school. They're teenagers. It is a time when kids are trying to figure things out. Now, I will say again, the whole point of puberty blockers would be to block the puberty from starting. So we'll really nature to venture to guess that the puberty blockers need to be uh, put into work before puberty. 
But what I want to do first, let's play the ad from Congresswoman Mace. This is the ad she put out, and I'm going to have something to say about how she tweeted about this as well. Here's the ad from Congresswoman Mace. Democrat Annie Andrews will do or say anything to impress Washington, D.C. liberals, even pushing hospitals to administer gender-changing hormones to children as young as four years old. Annie Andrews pressured the state to allow gender-changing hormone therapy for kids. Annie calls it gender-affirming care. Here for yourself. All of the um, anti-trans legislation that has been propagating across the country where we're, you know, criminalizing doctors or in, in Texas criminalizing parents for providing gender-affirming care to young transgender patients. Low country parents know better. Our children are too precious to be indoctrinated with Annie Andrews' bizarre liberal agenda. This is a bizarre liberal agenda. I'll agree with you on that. Transgen transing the kids is as many call it, is, is, is absurd. And parents do have the right to make sure this doesn't happen to their children, and, and we're, we're advocating nationwide for parents to be taken out of the equation. I will agree with that. Um, the ad yeah, that's what, I mean, that, because that's really what they're trying to do. They're trying right. to get parents out of that. And, and we fully understand that is not something that you want to do. The rights of the parents and the responsibility of the parents is extremely important and cannot be superseded by the government. We and, talked about this with schools. And uh, on, on top of that, um, just really quickly, that you're going to see Annie Andrews ad in a second. Um, and what you're going to notice if you've been watching these is Democrats are putting out very well-placed ads, very well-done yes. ads. And honestly, their ads are playing a lot better than Republicans' ads are right now. That's neither here nor there. That's probably a podcast for later on in the month of October. Nancy Mace, when she introduced this, uh, her first tweet on September 23rd uh, said, Annie Andrews is too woke for the low country, must protect our children from her liberal agenda. She then quotes the tweet with this. I don't care who you marry. I don't care how you dress. I don't care if you want to change your gender. I do care when people abuse, abuse our children and call it medical care. Enter my opponent just sick. Now, here's where I will disagree a bit with the congresswoman. One of those things leads to the other. Like, you you, lit you literally just outlined the slippery slope. You literally just... We, <clears throat> we have talked about this. It starts sexual revolution. Well, we just need to mainstream homosexuality, put the drag queens in the closet for a little bit. We'll pull them out when it's socially acceptable. Now it's socially acceptable to have videos, and you can find them on, on Twitter from TikTok, of children rubbing the pelvic area of drag queens, seen it, it's awful. Then you have this. Now again, MUSC, as we talked about, is not performing transgender surgeries. They're not no, performing they're not. top <clears throat> and bottom surgeries. And please do not hear that from me. They are not doing that. However, it is obvious and it is in research that at the clinic they are providing pubital suppressants and hormone-affirming therapy to children. That's true. Now, Nancy calls out her opponent for that. Right. How does the opponent respond? <clears throat> is, and this is where we're going to see this race really heat up as we get closer to November. Here's the response from Dr. Annie Andrews. The Supreme Court has taken away a woman's right to choose. And Nancy Mace supports that decision even though it rolls back the clock on women. Mace even helped write the bill that would criminalize abortion in South Carolina, throwing doctors in jail. We can't do that. I'm Dr. Annie Andrews, and in Congress, I'll fight to restore a woman's right to choose and stand up to extremists who want to ban abortions with no exceptions. 
I approve this message because we've come too far to go back. Now, first things first, I haven't really talked about Dr. Annie Andrews much on the podcast. We have not. Her logo is fantastic. Her name is Annie Andrews, so it's a double A, and the bridge, the Ravenel Bridge, that's a fantastic logo. First, and I will say this, and and the the producer, the the, the producer of these ads, having worked on that side of the business before, very well produced ad. Uh, I I think sometimes when I take a look at the production values, I hate Mm. to say this, they're 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 they're, miles different. They're they're very, they're Mm. doing a very good job on the production. The messaging, though is really what's driving underneath this. Yes. And it's driving a message that's turning around and trying to convince low country voters in the first congressional district that these issues are really need to be set aside. If if we were to take any major issue Justin and and say this is what's beginning to define this era of politics, this is the politics of sexuality right now. When you take a look at what's being done on the issue of abortion, on the issue of transgender, when you take other things that are going on, when we talk about the what the the transing of our kids or the pornography that's available within schools, we're at a time period right now where these issues are revolving around, and it's kind of like the hurricane. They're spinning around these issues right now, and the question becomes one of how is this going to play itself out? It's really interesting when you begin to take a look at how the media is responding to that, specifically when you start taking a look at an editorial that came out from the state newspaper. Editorial from the state newspaper, David Travis Bland (laughs) writes this op-ed on September the 28th. So this was on Wednesday. Now, again, I'm all for freedom of the press. I graduated with a degree in mass communications from the University of South Carolina, the greatest university on the face of this planet. However... I don't like when even op-ed writers choose to just conveniently leave out information or misrepresent the facts. Now, I won't go full-fledged into the op-ed because you can read this on the, at the state newspaper. It is free. You, you can read this. Um, That's about the only way their opinions get out there. I don't have they, a subscription. They're, they're on the other side of the paywall. They're on I, the free side of the paywall. I don't know why anyone would pay, but I, I don't have a subscription. Now, here's Mace's problem. During, uh, by the way, sorry, the title of the ad, oops, <clears throat> Mace's ad doesn't mention her support of SC Hospital with gender-affirming care. In a new ad, Mace criticizes her first congressional district opponent, Democrat Annie Andrews, for her support of gender-affirming care. But That's you just a saw, lame... This is the ad that you just saw a moment ago. That's a lame and heartless talking point, but certainly one that will resonate with a portion of the electorate. Here's Mace's problem. During her time as a state rep, Mace supported MUSC, where, as referenced in her ad... Gender-affirming care is practice. Now, Dave, I'm going to give you the floor on these two points. In 2018, as you break your pen, in 2018, <laughs> she days. voted She voted to approve the House version of the state budget that would have given MUSC more than $77 million. Later in the year, she voted against the final version that reduced the allotment to $74 million. In 2019, she approved even more for the hospital in the House version to about $84 million. She voted against the final version of the budget that included the same amount of money. While we can't be sure, real quick, I just, okay. want to, I just want to fill this in for you real quick. All right. While we can't be sure if her vote against the final version of the 2019 budget was because of funding to MUSC, Mace has historically shown support for the hospital, which is a major employer and healthcare provider in her district. Okay, let's talk about, I want to show you, we're going to put this map up on the screen so that you can actually see where MUSC is located because MUSC has a growing footprint in South Carolina. 
for the from its inception until about the last three, four, five years, MUSC, the Medical University of South Carolina, not to be confused with the University of South Carolina School of Medicine, that's the one in Columbia, but the Medical University of South Carolina, a teaching research university and hospital system, is taking its, its footprint, moving out of just the low country. They've got locations now in the Midlands area, used to be Providence Hospital, those are now MUSC. Uh, hospitals in Chester, hospital in Lancaster. They're trying to get a presence going on in the upstate of South Carolina in the Greenville area. Okay, that's hospitals doing what hospitals do. The Medical University of South Carolina also receives, as Justin said a moment ago, tens of millions of dollars in state funding for various aspects of the teaching and research that they do. As part of the budget process, members have different sections of the budget that they will vote for. The budget breaks itself down into dozens of different sections that they can go through and they can make changes to or they can work on and they can make amendments to and they can vote for certain sections of the budget to show their support for it. But it is not an unusual prospect for a member of the House or a member of the Senate to vote for a section of the budget, for example, $77 million in 2018 for the MUSC budget in the House version. She voted for that in the House version of the budget, but in the final version of the budget, to say that she is not in support of the overall direction of the entire state budget, she voted against it. That is a, a not unusual part right. of the process. There have been plenty of people who are in South Carolina politics who do that to show support, to be able to, do, to vote for what they need to, but overall they do not agree with the spending philosophies and ideologies that are fully reflected. Now, does that mean that she's supportive of MUSC? I can guarantee you she's going to be supportive of MUSC because it's centered and anchored in her district. Right. Employer, big-time employer, a lot of folks who live... In the, in the first congressional district work at MUSC. They either work at the university, they either work at the hospital, the teaching research side, on the research campus, for example, where the cancer research goes on with the Hollings Cancer Institute or the children's hospital that's down there in, in MUSC. So there are a lot of aspects to this. I think the editorial from the state newspaper goes too far in trying to say, hey, listen, well, she voted for it here, but she voted against it here. I don't think that that's very... Um, that's, that shows a real lack of understanding of how the budgetary process works and how people actually vote for the budget in South Carolina. She's being intellectually dishonest, says Bland, um, to get votes from the extreme right. She can't stand on her actual beliefs, this is um, Mays, because those wouldn't get her those votes. That doesn't mean Andrews is the better candidate. Okay. But she's not the one running such blatantly misleading ads. Oh, blatantly misleading, like when you call it gender-affirming care? Like when you say abortion is health care? No, that's not misleading. I'm sorry. I'm, I just want to make sure we're playing the same game. We're playing the same game, it's fine. Um, he then goes on to mention the report that we talked about, the research article that came from Fitz News. Fitz News is the first people to mention it. Right. Right. Well, folks over at Fitz News is the first person to put this out. We talked about it on the podcast. The ad says that Andrews is pushing hospitals to administer gender-changing hormones to children as, four, as young as four years old. First, Bland says, hospitals are not doing that. 
How do you know? Well, according to their research that that they have, they're they're doing something. Um, it's uh, very similar to it. The first visit, the fir- the age of first visit ranged from four to eighteen years old to the pediatric endocrinology clinic on transgender hormonal therapy. I'm, I'm confused. What do you what do you mean? I'm not doing that now. Again, this person, this four year old child, could have any range of different disorders that could require endocrinology treatment, and I understand that. So we can't actively say they were going for that but we cannot also affirmatively say they weren't but the section but the section justin of the report has actually has to do with transgender therapy yes so you've got to assume therefore that a four-year-old is being taken to the transgender clinic for some level of transgender therapy and this isn't uncommon we see videos from from england from britain from europe where you see, and even in the United States here, you're seeing parents allowing their children, I'm a girl, so now I'm a girl, and I'm going to grow my hair out, and I'm going to dress in dresses. Okay, so did you see the girl who says she's a cat, and she starts prowling around the school, has like had to give her a place where she can go do that? Um, Just, uh, if that would have happened when I was in high school, I mean, I don't advocate bullying, but you would have been picked on. You would have um, been. But she did have a really nice like, like cat bowl, and I wonder if she had like one of those scratch things like your cat sometimes have. Um, I can't believe I just did that on a, on a video. Um, none of this, none of this is happening. Mace yes. is seizing on one's child's condition to falsely assert that doctors right here doing something akin to sinister experiments on kids. Well, that is happening. There are sinister experiments being committed on kids, or some other delusion. I agree with you. I think it's all delusion. Uh, the ad is using gender affirming care to misdirect people into thinking a hospital is doing something crazy. Doing something crazy, like sex change operations. No, no. See, for an adult, it's a sex change operation. But when we do it to children, it's gender-affirming care. That's the difference, folks. Get with it. Get with the program. Come on. Um, uh, my favorite, none of this is happening. None of it. People should not fall for this kind of misdirection. Now, I'll go to the last sentence. <clears throat> but wait a minute. Wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inject on that one. The misdirection, there's a, there's a terminology <clears throat> in geometry um, and it's, it's part of the, the logic process. According to David Travis Bland in the state newspaper, he's basically, if, if I understand correctly, um, he said that because she voted against, she voted for the budget, she voted for MUSC, mm-hmm. but she's voted against it. And so in that particular case, she is or she is not for transgender therapy. She said because she voted for it in one version, then she voted for transgender therapy. Okay. But to say that she didn't vote for it says that she voted for You see how confusing this logic is? But he also says she didn't vote for it. He could just as easily, in this same logic process, turn around and said, well, she didn't vote for the MUSC budget, which includes money for the Hollings Cancer Research Institute. Therefore, Nancy Mace hates cancer patients. That logic doesn't work, Bland. It doesn't work that way. To take something out of the context like this and, and, and a report that you have on this and recognize that, again, television ads are 30 seconds trying to sway your opinion. Yes. You are watching or listening to this podcast because you don't want to just take a 30-second ad at face value. You want to know and understand what's going on behind it. You want to know and understand and share with your friends Share with the folks at your church or at your work or who live at your, in your neighborhood, in your community. Share this with them so that they can hear through the clutter, 
through what's being put out there in the mainstream media to understand exactly what's happening. This is the inside baseball part of understanding politics. And and so just the terribleness of this. It's terrible what Mace is doing and questionable if she even understands the consequences. More and more, we see people acting on misinformation by politicians. Remember the guy who tried to storm an FBI office after the raids on Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, I also remember the guy who was stormed, his house was stormed by FBI agents who had their weapons trained on he, his wife, and his children at 7 o'clock in the morning and he was dragged away for a violation of a little-known federal code of law. Yeah, I remember that too. Oh, here you go, Dave. Yeah. Here you go. How about January 6th, Dave? Really? You remember January 6th? <clears throat> Did he I actually do. bring up January 6th? I do. Nancy Mace calling out MUSC and Annie Andrews for their support of gender-affirming therapy for children and gender-affirming care for children. It's like January 6th, Dave. It's the overthrowing of our democracy. It's ridiculous. Here's it's the answer. I'm, I'm going to challenge on this one. Sir. Where he says, it's terrible that Mace is doing, is what she's doing is questionable if she even understands the consequences. More and more, we see people acting on misinformation by politicians. What about misinformation by newspaper articles? We'll let that one stand where it is. And I guess now we'll go to Washington, D.C. More misinformation. Really? More from Washington? What did you want to start There first? can't be more. Dave, Dave, do you want to hear from the vice president or Ooh. the president first? Can we flip a coin? I don't have a coin. Right I don't now. have a coin. Let's go with the one who has the most ridiculous thing. Again, oh. too close to call. Let's start, let's start with the one that doesn't have international implications. No, we'll start with the one that Let's is. do interna international, national implications. Here's Are you our, paying attention? Here's our vice president, Vice Can President Kamala. Kamala, doesn't matter. No. Uh, she was at the DMZ. She does say she is, so she, her, doesn't she? Yes. Does she and actually pronoun herself? a navy blue pantsuit. Okay. So here is Kamala, Kamala. Whatever one you whatever. choose. Uh, at the DMZ, again, she's now visited the border of South Korea and North Korea, but is yet to visit the border of... United States and Mexico. Here More than is. once. Here she is. Just, just, just listen. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. And it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. I'm, I, I want to just say it was a faux pas. It was like an accidental slip to turn around and say that we have an alliance with North Korea, dictator, just totalitarian, I mean, like I, mean, I kill my people, we I have mean, an alliance. I hate to belittle it to this level, yeah. but like if I tell you that I'm a fan of South Carolina Gamecock football, I know the difference between South Carolina and North Carolina. Okay, I know the difference between... It, um, South Dakota and North Dakota. The difference between South Korea and, and North, North Korea, Korea is much more important. And and for it, that matter, it, it rivals. It, it's like a Clemson. It's like a Carolina fan going, "I just love Clemson." I mean, that the level of unthinkableness. Is just beyond this has the pale. More. This has more because this is like. Remember when? Remember when Donald Trump, former president of the United States, said, 
Kim Kim Jong Un and I we write love letters. He writes me he writes me amazing letters. We're friends. I love him. He loves me. It's great. Right. Remember that? Yes. And how did they react to that? You're they cozying flipped. up. You're cozying yeah, up dictators. You're flipping out. Well, guess what? I never said we had an alliance. An alliance. Now apparently we're in an alliance with North Korea. And you would think that would be the worst thing that would happen by those who reside or work in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, but no. Here's the president yesterday at a White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. And so many of you know so much about this as well, and you're committed. And I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this. Representative Jackie Walorski was not at the White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health yesterday or on Wednesday because Representative Jackie Walorski was killed in a tragic car accident just several months ago, and the White House and the president released a statement that was three paragraphs long on said accident. She died actually August 3rd. 2022 tragic terrible in 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 a car accident with two of her staffers going from one campaign event to another campaign event and it was a horrible horrible thing that happened so why would the president ask where she was and then say oh i I don't i didn't think she would be here today this is the same one that told a guy who's in a wheelchair stand up stand up chuck let him see you this is worse now I don't know. Again, okay. slip of the tongue. But 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 your friend, the one you so lovingly love her to say eminency. her full name, her eminency, Corinne Jean Pierre, turned around so and tried so tried her best. Hey, Dave, listen. She tried her best. Okay. I, that I, sound you, you may hear in the background is the fire trucks probably rushing to put out, to the, put out the the political fire that is this because Corinne Jean Pierre. Definitely I don't have the clip. Let me try. Let me try. Missed my, it. Let me try my Corinne Jean Pierre okay. impression real quick. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, he, the president, was speaking at the speaking. Uh, conference speaking. on hunger, health, yes, and nutrition. And Representative Walorski was top of mind. He's welcoming the family of Representative Walorski to the White House on Friday. And, and the sirens in the background are still going on and, and, and politically. And, and she was just, she was just top of mind. To which one reporter said, "Well, Corinne, John Lennon's on the top of my mind a lot, and I never ask where he's at." The White House got they got really little... pressed on this yesterday. That the White House press corps would not let this go, as they shouldn't. The president is showing distinct. Uh, signs of cognitive decline, and uh, he asked where a deceased representative is. Next, he's going to ask where Bull Connor's at. I guess. I Jeez. Okay, and, and Representative Wolorski, it has been nearly two months. He's meeting with her family on Friday. Why else would he be meeting with her family? They're signing a bill in her honor on Friday, today. It- Exactly. We're, we're, okay. Exactly. You're either listening to this podcast because, one, you love the podcast, and we appreciate that. But you could be listening to this podcast while the wind is blowing really hard at your house. 
because you downloaded the podcast or it automatically downloaded to your phone and you're not driving to work today, but you still want to be caught up on the issues and why they matter, what the Bible says about them, what you can do about them. And so we appreciate you being a part of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We recognize that there is a major storm issue that's going on around us. It still doesn't negate the fact that gaps like this and the try the attempt to cover them up or make excuses for them is just it, it it's wait, it's beyond the pale. Wait, I hope as tropical storm Ian, well as Hurricane Ian makes landfall early this morning and as tropical storm Ian's moving through now, uh, we hope you're staying safe. Yes. We hope you've taken the necessary precautions and <laughs> hope you're vaccinated. Um so because he actually did say that. And I think that was a while ago, but it's, I, I don't know if it's the recent. Most, no, it had to have been because he said, if you're going to be involved in a hurricane, you're going to be prepared for a hurricane, one of the most important things you could do is to be vaccinated. Well, that's true, Dave, because if you're 90% vaccinated in the hurricane... What's the helicopter going to fly over your house as you're up on your... Yo, you're vaccinated down there! No, no, no. The vaccine has the ability to ward off hurricanes. Oh, does it? Oh, I thought it just made you glow in the dark. Speaking speaking of glowing in the dark and warding off hurricanes, Joe Cunningham. Oh. I don't know how those things tie together. The hurricane that is the vice governor wannabe? Joe Cunningham's put out a new ad, and again... Uh, just, 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 just watch it. You know, it's, yeah, we better just watch just it. Just watch it. Here in South Carolina, we fire football coaches after just a few losing seasons. So why not politicians? Henry McMaster has been in politics longer than I've been alive, but crime is at an all-time high, and we're near the bottom in schools and roads. I'm Joe Cunningham. As governor, I'll eliminate the state income tax, put age limits and term limits on politicians, and legalize marijuana and sports betting pay your teachers more, and fix our roads. Because it's time for South Carolina to win again. Um, real quick, I just yes. want to run through this. Since when did just being older than somebody simply disqualify them from doing a job? I think that's ageism. Number two, that sir, would also be you mentioned... There would be experience that may come with age. I know, you're, I, know you're, I know you're a Gamecock yes. fan because yes. you were at a game the other week. I think it's when they played Georgia. Shockingly, they got, South Carolina got blown out by Georgia. Uh, foreshadowing. And... Um, <laughs> and that, that in, may in, be South, the, in South okay. Carolina, we fire our coaches after a few losing seasons. No, we fired the previous one because it was a lot of losing seasons. Not the point. Not the point point is yes he says he does his little three-pronged approach again dave i'm going to eliminate the state income tax you can't do that as governor he wants to put age and term limits on politicians yeah you're not going to be able to get that done as governor nope and you want to introduce sports gambling and legalize marijuana to to pay pay. our teachers more now way to bury the lead and to pay our teachers more and fix our roads that's gonna. That's a lot of pot. So wait, 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 wait. It's are we fixing? Are we fixing our state with dope money? Oh. Crystal Matthews was trying to win with dope money. Just saying. She did say that. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe he has a definition of potholes. One other thing. He also mentioned that our crime rate is at an all-time high. 
I'm sorry, Dave, Joe. Numbers. That one's just not the case. I have numbers. We actually pulled up the numbers from the State Law Enforcement Division. Our friends over at SLED have a statistical breakdown since 1991. Now, real quick, full disclosure, yes. the murder rate is up. Yes. The murder rate is up. Now, it is not as high as it was in 91. No. But it is higher than it was in 2018. And in fact, from 2019 to 2020, it's kind of it's kind of spiked pretty well. Right. Every other category is dropping is down. So the murder rate is up, Joe. I'll agree with you. The murder rate is up. We need to do a better job of making sure that those who commit these heinous crimes are actually prosecuted right. to the fullest extent of the law and do not see a free street. For the no. necessary duration. But you've got other areas where you've got sexual assault and battery. Those are down. Robbery is down. Larcenies are down. Uh, motor vehicle thefts are down. Aggravated assault is sort of up, but not really. Okay, so when you begin to look at these, there, there are several factors that go into this. But you've got to also ask the question. You know, they say they say it. you go to a, like... An anonymous, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or whatever group, you go to a therapy session and and they'll tell you this phrase. They'll say, "The problem isn't the problem. The problem is indicative of the problem." To turn around and blame the problem that exists on what the governor is doing, Joe, you don't understand what the job of being the governor is. It's kind of like these people who are turning around and blaming. Um, Governor DeSantis in Florida for deaths that have taken place in his state. I don't like I don't like when we blame politicians for deaths unless the politician like actually kills somebody. Right. Because you can't blame the governor for people who don't evacuate. It's not right. No. I didn't agree with blaming President Trump for the deaths of COVID. I don't agree with blaming President Biden for the deaths of COVID. I don't think that's giving too much power to the federal government, giving too much power to government leaders. They don't wield life and death. That's God's job, right. not mine and not theirs. Well, and, and so let's just take a look at some some of the numbers. You, if you take a look at the 10-year average of the overall crime rate, the number of crimes themselves over the last 10 years have gone down 2.2%. The, the actual crime rate, that's the rate per 10,000 people who live in our state. Because keep in mind, our state's population continues to grow. So if you only look at the number of crimes, it is naturally going to go up because we have a million more people in the state than we did 10 years ago. On top of the fact that the rate of major crimes in South Carolina over the last 10 years, for which Henry McMaster has been governor for six of those 10 years, and before that, it was Nikki Haley, the crime rate is down 10.8%. So, Joe, I'm not exactly sure how you can say that we're at an all-time high when the state's crime rate is down 10.8%. But it's up, according to him. Up is down. Down is up. Maybe he can hope for that on election night. Maybe he's just living in the bizarro world of up is down and down is up. I I would think that calling people old out of touch probably not going to do you a good job we're in a state where the electorate 62 and older hold most of the cards in elections but again cool strategy bro we'll see how it works out for you
that is all for this edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Whether it is the congressional district number one race down in the low country or the president and the vice president making us look like absolute fools, or, or whether it's uh, Joe Cunningham calling for things he can't accomplish as governor and using a football tie-in to try to draw in that his ideas somehow make or, sense. Or winning strategy. Here's the thing. We, we jokingly call him the, the vice governor wannabe because if you take a look at how he wants to build solutions for this state— He's building it by legalizing marijuana and sports betting, and that's going to be his solution. Just let that hang there for a second. That makes about as much sense as Kamala Harris turning around and saying that we have an alliance with North Korea. Those just don't mix, and they don't mix in the culture of South Carolina. What we have hoped more than anything, though, is that you and your family are safe as storms are moving through South Carolina. Keep yourself safe. Uh, if there are ways that you can turn around and be the hands and feet of Jesus and helping a neighbor, it's kind of like, I'm going to just phrase it like this. It's kind of like when you're on an airplane and they say, you know, put your mask on first and then help the person beside you. Make sure you're safe. Don't put yourself into any place of danger. But be ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus to their neighbors around you because there probably is somebody who is there who not only needs a helping hand, but they need to have the message of Jesus as well. So please, do what, do your part to share that with them. Exactly. And full disclosure, this podcast is being recorded on Thursday morning. So the storm is well out at this point. We're right. just looking at forecasting ahead to what could be happening when you're viewing this on a Friday. So as Dave mentioned, we hope you're all safe. And we hope you continue to stay safe throughout the weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Again, our best to those on the coast and, and those down in Florida who have dealt with Hurricane Ian and hopefully now Tropical Storm Ian as we move into the weekend. We'll be back next week to talk more about the Senate's issue at hand with House Bill 5399, and I'm sure there will be more crazy concepts from California, too, with our friend Josh Keller from out in California. Until then, for Kevin Taiello, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson, I'm Justin Hall. Have a great weekend. Stay safe.